Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Andrew Harris, busted for drugs. You'll hear all about it from the man himself, why he thinks he got a positive test, the supplements he blames it on. Also, Matt Nichols, Stanley Bryant, the teammates coming to his defense. Mike O'Shea as well, plus... The U.S. Open, the year's final tennis major, is underway in Flushing Meadows, New York. Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba joins us to break it all down on the podcast. So, I'm thinking to myself around you know, 10.30 today, I wonder what I'm going to do for my hour on the sports show. You know, look back at the Bomber game a bit, talk about Andrew Luck retiring, and then I see all this action in my email inbox. Lots of activity. And I see a statement from Andrew Harris because he's been he's been suspended for two games? What? So we're going to hear from Harris what he said earlier today. But first, just here's his statement that the team released. He says, throughout my four years playing in Winnipeg, I've been drug tested more than any other player on our team to the point that it's become a running joke within our locker room. This year alone, I've been tested three times. The first time on March 1st, then July 2nd, and then 10 days later. Somehow on July 12th, I was notified I had tested positive for the first time in my career with a very small trace of a banned substance. I'm still in shock and disbelief at the news. I immediately thought there had to be some kind of mistake. The timeline makes it very clear I was not using a banned substance for performance-enhancing purposes, nor was I aware that I was taking any supplements with any banned substances in them. Based on the fact pattern, this is clearly a case of product contamination. Nonetheless, I am very devastated by the idea of missing two important games with my teammates. More importantly, I want football fans and young athletes around this country to know that I have not and would never cheat. People know my history and my background, and I have always taken tremendous pride in having overcome adversity through sheer force of will. I would never risk my career and the respect of my teammates, coaches, and fans in this matter. I'm told that this substance typically stays in the body for up to four weeks. So trace amounts of the system, 10 days after testing, takes it clear I did not purposely ingest any banned substance. I've spent countless hours training, running, studying, rehabbing, succeeding, and failing, put in blood, sweat, and tears to get to where I stand today. My road to becoming a starter in the CFL was extremely difficult. And I take a lot of pride in the honest blue-collar work I've put in to reach this point in my career. This is why this announcement is very difficult for me. I've worked very hard to get to where I am, and I pride myself on being not only a great role model to my daughter and youth throughout our country, to my peers as well. As unsettling and painful as this is to me and my family, I hope this can be a helpful reminder to all athletes about being extremely cautious and aware of what you're putting in and taking. And he's sorry to his teammates. Can't wait to rejoin the team in the city in the quest to bring a great cup here. So yes, he has been Suspended two games. He'll miss the two games against Saskatchewan because trace amounts of an anabolic steroid were found in his drugs. And as you heard there in a statement, and they made it, the Bombers made him available right away today with, and to take questions, which was pretty good. He blamed the supplement. I took a I took a supplement, and uh, this is the supplement I think that is you know the one that's contaminated uh, that stated that it was all natural ingredients, and um, obviously it wasn't. And um, you know I'm taking full responsibility for the fact that. I did take that, but uh, you know, from the from the ingredients listed on the label, it, uh, it said all natural. Yeah, if you look at the the dates, um, July second, 
I had a blood and urine test, which came negative. And then on July 12th, um, there was a very small trace of a banned substance. So um, if I was intentionally taking this substance, there'd be more of a, a volume in, in my system and, um, instead of the small trace. It was a men's uh, male energy supplement. It's basically um, antioxidant, multivitamin, um, and then there's uh, some natural testosterone enhancers. And um, a lot of these companies, they, they do work with different labs and different manufacturers. And um, my assumption is that that's where it came from. And um, we'll be working on trying to uh, figure out the actual source. All right. And it's obvious the tone that he is speaking with today that this has definitely weighed heavily on him. This has been extremely hard. I mean, I've I've known about this uh, for three weeks, found out before the Calgary game. And I mean, uh, it's uh, it's been devastating. It's been, you know, it's been hard to it's hard been hard to focus on football and hard to hard to come in. And, you know, winning games is, you know, after you win a game, I'm thinking about what's going to happen in a couple of days or possibly the next week and, you know, how, how it's going to affect my team and, um, you know, the journey we're on. And um, I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to, I would never want to put my team in jeopardy or my, myself in jeopardy or my career. And, uh, you know, at this point now, it's, you know, I, I got to face the, face the music and, and uh, just try to move on from it. Yesterday, I addressed the team and um, that was the hardest part. You know, you go, uh, you put a lot of, energy and effort and um, a lot of hours in with these guys and you know become family and you never want to let a family member down and you know um, when I addressed the the team it was you know that was the that was the feeling in my stomach. So when he addressed the team was that the first time they all found out? There was a few guys that I'd kind of spoken to about it um, just to kind of confide in and I mean it's hard to it's hard to carry this you know and you know it's it's been emotional the last few weeks. So uh, my teammates have been very supportive. Um, they know how much I care about them and, and, and this season. And um, they know that I would never, again, do, do, do something like this intentionally. So um, their support's been great. So he found out about this weeks ago, over a month ago. So when he set the Canadian record for scrimmage yards, he knew this was happening. So he was asked if this taints in any way his recent milestone. It was hard to hard to really enjoy it. Um, I'm, I mean, again, I, I was carrying this with me for a few weeks now, and um, you know that BC game, you know the the standing ovation, and you know part of the reason why I got so emotional is because of this, and knowing that this is you know this is buried deep in my stomach, and it's it's something that took away from. You know, something that was really great. And he went over, again, the timeline of the testing. The one, the one thing that I have on my side is the timing and the volume. Um, I've been tested three times this year. I've been tested more than any other player in my four years that I've been here. And I've never had an issue. I've never had a, um, anything come up. And um, this timing and, and volume is the one thing that I kind of had on my side. And um, when I first found out, I didn't didn't even really believe it. I, I was kind of beside myself, and um, I just wanted answers. So um, getting that B sample was something that we went through, and um, it was the same answer. So I, I mean, there's at that point, there's not much you can do else. That is the B sample, as in bear, not P sample. Though I, 
I mean, urine is how it's often done. So is there anything he would have done differently if he could do it again? I mean, obviously just not not taking it or, or you know, there's there's lots of things I could have done. I mean, I just, biggest one is just not taking it. But again, said it was all natural and got it from a natural health store and here I am. I learned something today, didn't he? Harris was also asked, why does he think he's tested more than his teammates? I don't know. I've, I was question, I always question that. I mean, it's uh, I know in my statement, it's uh, it's an actual joke of every time the drug tests are here, drug testers are here. Um, I'm usually on that list, and um, again, I've never had a positive test in my career. Um, I know the testers, but on a first name basis, and uh, yeah, I, I was questioning that you know, this year, because it, it, it was a bit much. So listening to all this and the story being put together, you you have to remember they have had a lot of time to work out how this is going to be rolled out. The CFL says, hey, we're going to put this out on Monday. So let's give you some time to craft your response. So they put together the statement. They have Harris. They have Matt Nichols. They have Stanley Bryant. They have Mike O'Shea, all available to the media. So this is not an out-of-the-blue thing for the team. It is obviously for us. None of us had any idea this was coming. And obviously, Harris saying he addressed his team recently, it was a surprise to many of them that this is something he had been dealing with. But it has happened. Why? It could be exactly why he said. I'm choosing to believe Andrew Harris. I know a lot of people are choosing to believe him, and I know a lot of people have chosen to believe people in the past, giving them benefits of the doubt, only to have that fly back in your face. We're hoping that's not the case here. And you can believe that whether you're a Bomber fan or not. You can look at this as just a good guy who we hope just was a little bit sloppy about his supplements. And if you've been hearing some of the coverage today, you'll say, hey, some people do that in everyday life. But when you're a pro athlete, obviously there's a higher standard. Andrew Harris, two-game suspension for testing positive for a banned substance. He's blaming it on a contaminated supplement. He has not named the brand of that supplement. He has not named the ingredients in it. He has just said it's an all-natural supplement, which, upon further research, doesn't really guarantee anything. So, Matt Nichols today was made available to the media not to talk about his injured shoulder, but to talk about his teammate and good friend, Andrew Harris. Unfortunate, and uh, one of those people that uh, you know supports my friends in triumph and tur- turmoil. And, um, you know, obviously, I think it's going to be you know, a tough situation for Andrew, but, um, you know, I think it's more, more than anything, it's just a lesson that, uh, you know, with all the supplement companies and all those things out there that... You know, there's a lot of it that's you know cross-contaminated, and and uh, you know there's a lot of cases of, of this type of thing happening, and so you know just doing your due diligence on uh, you know finding the safest possible products, but uh, you know all the time we're told as athletes that you know even even things that say they're 100% certified, uh, you know there's no such thing as um, you know FDA regulations and all that stuff, so um, it's just it's an unfortunate thing and. I know Andrew, and and you know I think that uh, people would be wrong to question his integrity and and uh, going out of his way to you know purposefully do this uh, you know is not something that's in his character or anything that 
um, is questioned in our locker room. I think it's just an unfortunate thing that um, you know there's products that are contaminated and there's uh, you know, zero tolerance in professional sports. And so um, you know, I think more than anything, it's just an unfortunate situation, and uh, you know, we'll get over it and, and and get past it. And you know, I think that's a Again, it's a good learning thing for, for everyone on this team and everyone in, in sports in general and general public even that you know, no supplements, I guess, are uh, you know, can be 100% safe. So, uh, again, it's, it's unfortunate, and, and uh, you know, we'll get through it together. Offensive lineman Stanley Bryant believes Mr. Harris is telling the truth. We know what type of guy Andrew is, um, hard worker, competitor. Um, he's just one of those guys that's just going to do the right thing. And uh, just, just one of those things that... Um, that just happened. I know it's not something that he personally did on purpose. Um, it's just, it's just something that us as a team and him as a person just have to deal with. And then um, time comes, it, it'll, it'll bypass, and we just move on. Brian also had a lot of glowing things to say about Harris as a person. Um, Andrews, he's a he's a great guy. You know, just on and off the football field, he's um, like I said, he's a competitor, sweet guy, um, loves his teammates, loves the game. Um, I don't think that he would jeopardize anything, a legacy or anything like that to, to, um, for how things are going now. Um, I don't know. I mean, you just you just, just love the guy. I mean, we're talking about Andrew Harris. I mean, just the city, the fans, everyone, they just love him. And Matt Nichols also shed a bit of light on the testing process itself. It's entirely random, and I think that, uh, you know, it's just, just so happened. I mean, every year there's some guys that just – happen to get tested more than others and yeah. uh, you know we're, we're given full details on how the selection process happens and um, you know it's algorithms and all those things that are taken into account there's certain tests that are taken from each team uh, you know it's not specific you know you could go a whole year and not get tested or you could be tested three or four times uh, you know and it, it just so happens that you know this was a year where he was one of those guys and um, like I said in the last few years there's been guys that have just you know happened to fall into that random category more than more than others it is the final major of the tennis calendar and we're bringing in mark art now of tennis manitoba to talk about it mark how are you doing how have you enjoyed your summer christian good yeah summer's been good but it's uh flown by and i'm just listening to your weather forecast here and it's like oh man <laughs> so yeah it's kind of ripping by but yeah it's been good good tennis summer absolutely and now we're heading into the i don't know is it it's the best one to watch on TV, I think, here, just because of some of the great matches in prime time. But it's definitely got the feel of the last big event of the summer on the sports calendar, really, don't you think? Yeah, it's always been like that. I felt like when the U.S. Open comes around, it's time to go to school. Right. To, like the the dog days of summer are ending, and uh, so it's kind of bittersweet because it was fun watching the the U.S. Open, but then you know it, at the end of it, it's like uh, back to the grind. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my memories of watching, you know, the big finals and semifinals. It was either coming home from high school to watch uh, Del Potro win in 2008, or in university when Andy Murray finally broke through. And yeah, you're right. It's it's fall when it's over, but it's summer when it begins. It's kind of that almost transition tournament. Yeah, and that's why it's such a tough tournament to win, too, because, I mean, one day it's it's plus 40 on the course, then next day it could be 15 and, and windy and, and with the chance of rain. So it's really tricky for the players, and it, it's usually it's broken down into weeks, uh, coincidentally. First week would be hot, second week gets mm-hmm. cooler. So 
yeah, that's, it's, it's a tough slam to win for sure. Let's talk about the Canadians starting on the women's side. Bianca Andreescu ranked 15th in this tournament last year. We're talking about her going into the U.S. Open, that's for sure. Now she's got a lot of expectations maybe for the first time uh, going into a major for sure, but maybe going into a tournament. How much should we be looking for from Bianca in this tournament? Um, you know what? She's uh, she's a tricky one because she loves the stage. She loves. It seems like that the tighter the match gets, the bigger the stage. She just comes through no matter what her her injuries or whatever this or that, and she just comes through. And she's a big point player, a big game player, and. Um, so I mean, Brad Gilbert. I listened to him talking the other day, and he's picking her to win it. Like she I could know. be the one for for him. And I mean, you know, when people like that start talking about her, uh, not to put pressure on her, but uh, I think she actually enjoys the pressure and welcomes it. So yeah, it's a real conversation. It's it's something that's uh, that's definitely if you're in any tennis bracket or wagering any money, uh, she's one for sure that I wouldn't uh, wouldn't overlook. Well, she's 38 and four on the season. She's seven and zero against the top ten. She's been great on the hard court so she's pretty much hurt through the other seasons but what makes her game so good and why has she been so effective early in her career here this year yeah you know i think honestly it's because she uh, the variety in her game uh she is able to hit hard she's able to hit soft change it up spin slice you name it i mean whatever it takes to win that point and that's why she's good on those big points because it's like whatever it takes i'm going to win this thing no matter how if it's ugly if it's pretty if it's whatever and she just seems to do it. And, and that's why there's no two balls that come at her opponent that are the same. So you can't get in a rhythm or in a pattern when you play against her. And, and she's very smart that way. She's very, very, uh, she thinks it through. She she knows what's at stake at, at that moment. She plays the score really well and uh, makes it tough for the others to, to beat her. Is it possible that she needs to start finishing off matches quicker so she just doesn't get fatigued? Because she's going on to these three-set battles constantly. Yeah, you know, that would definitely help, especially when you're trying to pace yourself through uh, over a two-week tournament and knowing that she's going to go deep into a, into a major. It does help, like, if you can get, you know, matches in done in, in two sets, you know, in an hour, under an hour, whatever it may be, definitely sets you up uh, better for the uh, for the future matches. But, I mean, look, she's uh, she's still young. She's still figuring that out. So, I, I mean, if she stays on track, if she stays on course, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for us to be watching as Canadians. And, um, I mean, I got a chance to watch Bouchard play this morning. And there's one there. It's just so frustrating to watch her because she, at times, you can see, like, she does have the game, like, Eve flashes of that brilliance that took her to that Wimbledon final. And then at times, it's like, oh, my God, why'd she do that? Why'd she play that shot? And me, armchair quarterback, sitting watching, it's easy for me to say. But, I mean, she teases you with... She can do it, and then it, she pulls it away by doing something silly. So it's uh, this one. I think with Andreescu, she's not like that. She she knows between the years she's she's more solid, and uh, she's gonna be uh, she's gonna be around for a while. So before we get to the Canadian men, let's just look at the women's bracket as a whole. You could pretty much make a case, and this has been the nature of women's tennis for a while when Serena isn't at her peak. But you could make a case really that. Any dozen players could win this tournament. Who do you think has the best shot, or really is there a favorite? Um, there isn't really a favorite. I mean, obviously in the states, the sentimental favorite is is Serena capturing that that twenty fourth elusive title to to tie the record of all time titles. So, I mean, that's one. I mean, you can't you can't overlook that. But I, I mean, yeah, flip a coin. I think you asked me the same question during Wimbledon or before Wimbledon. It's like who's going to win on the women's side, and I said. And go ahead, take your pick out of 10. could be anybody. And could be a dark horse, one of the young ones coming up as well. And it was Halep. 
and it was Halep in the end, right? And we kind of, I kind of, yeah, it might have been her and Halep here too. But again, I don't, it's, it's a tough tournament. This one is tough. Like even uh, there's so many things that can happen. And for some reason, U.S. Open is, is tougher than the others in my estimation because I guess what we cited earlier. But I, I don't know if I, if you're asking me to pick right now, I can't. I'm going to say. Serena, the way she steamrolled, I guess today she she did made really quick work of Sharapova, and she gets going, and uh, that'd be the one maybe I'm thinking. Okay, on the men's side, it's kind of unfortunate for the second straight year that Denis Shapovalov and Felix Ojeeli seem have to play in the first round because that means we're only going to have one Canadian man left in the draw in round two. Is there any benefit for Canada having them play at the major here in round one? No, you know what I mean. Apart from just okay, they'll be. And I'm surprised. I thought they'd put them as uh, as a primetime matchup tomorrow night, but I think they're going to be playing around four or three o'clock our time. Um, there, I mean, the only benefit is yes, there's one more Canadian going through the second round. But I, I think if if you put them. Uh, in uh, in different parts of the uh, of the actual bracket, you know, I, I, chances are good that both are moving on to the second round. Uh, they both have the game to go deep into into this tournament, so it's it's kind of a pity that that they will be playing each other, and ah, it, it's too bad. And then with Raonich withdrawing yesterday, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a bit of a down downer for all Canadian tennis fans. But that's the way tennis works and sports works. So Felix is in the quarter of Dominic team, and they'd play in round four if they were to play, and then possibly Stefano Tsitsipas in the quarterfinals. Of all the young players outside the big three, because this is the conversation we've had for a decade now, I guess, but of the young next generation, who is the most likely perhaps to break through at the major here? Well, you know what? I, I like uh, the Russians. There's Medvedev and, and Kachanov. Those two guys, I, I like Medvedev. He just went on a good run uh, this summer on the hard courts. And uh, he's one that I, I, I look, he's you know, that, that, that dark horse. Uh, Tsitsipas too, but I, I don't think Tsitsipas is, uh, he's a little bit more flashier than than, than solid. And, and he, he seems like he likes the limelight, whereas these others, the uh, the two Russians are more, all business and, and same thing with Felix. Felix seems very, um, you know, it's my my job. I got to get this thing done and very focused. And so those are the three that I like: uh, Felix, uh, Kachanov, and Medvedev are, are my three next gen stars, so to speak. Okay. Will this finally be the year that Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal meet at the U.S. Open? It would have to be in the final. I'm so hoping. I mean, that would be so much fun to watch. And uh, I'm personally, I'm a Federer fan, so I'd, I'd love to see him there. But I mean, we'll see. I, I think Djokovic has a tough draw that he might actually Medvedev's in his uh, in his quarter there. So I think Medvedev might uh, might be Djokovic again. Long tournament, long two weeks, and uh, I'm definitely hoping for Federer and Nadal. Apart, of course, we all want Felix. Uh, mm-hmm. Felix is going to beat Dennis tomorrow. Honestly, I, I think. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, apart from a Canadian being in the final, I'd love to see Federer and Nadal again. And finally, just on Federer, does he still have to recover from what happened to him at Wimbledon, having match points on his racket and losing? Yeah, you know what? He's been very good throughout his career in, in forgetting about it and thinking positive and, and seeing the bright side of things. And uh, if you listen to his interviews, he always spins them uh, positively where, you know, it, this is why it happened. And, and he bounces back from, from losses. I mean, the guy could have had easily three or four more uh, grand slams had he taken care of all of his match points and unfortunately hasn't. But, uh, no, I think uh, this one does sting, though. I, I'll tell you for sure this one stings because he's getting – 
on an age and maybe he might not have that opportunity again. So um, maybe this might be a little bit of an effect. I, I mean, he didn't do so well in Cincinnati. He skipped the uh, Rogers Cup here in Canada. So it uh, depends how he plays that first match. He's got a pretty easy draw in the first match. And if he gets his confidence going and, and all that, I think he'll quickly put it behind him. All right, Mark, I appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the tennis. Thank you so much. You too. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs>